Welcome to the Black Mind Garden, the podcast that helps you remap your mind and retrain your brain and be more flexible and fluent in your life. This podcast is about planting new seeds that help you remap your mind so that you can master your inner voice, expand your listening and communication, and produce unimaginable results in your life. I am your host, Dr. Maisha. Hey, have you ever thought about learning NLP or hypnosis or even being a coach? Even if you simply learn the skills of coaching, it could come in handy everywhere and in every area of your life. Our mind remapping NLP coach training will give you mastery over language, helping you to improve your confidence, communication, coaching, and leadership. So if you're committed to removing unconscious blocks so you can consciously elevate your performance in every area of life, join our next training. Schedule and training interest call at remapmymind.today. That's remapmymind.today. Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon. Welcome to another podcast episode, The Black Mind Garden. And today I really wanted to talk a little bit about understanding how important it is as we think about creating psychological safety and thinking about becoming trauma-informed, understanding how we represent language, understanding how the brain works. And I know I talk about this a lot. I have been doing more work inside of this realm of creating psychological safety. That's that's one of the areas of passion, one of the areas of specialty in trauma-informed communication. You know, as I, I go into these organizations, I teach, I coach um, these executives and train, what I'm finding more and more is that foundationally, when we understand how our brain processes and, and when we understand the various ways that we represent language, we can begin to understand the root of misunderstandings. And, you know, the foundation of what people recognize is how when you are speaking to a person, you are representing language one way. And when they are listening, they may be representing a language another way. So let's talk about it. The main way is that when we, you know, obviously when people are talking to us, we actually think primarily in pictures. So if you think about the way people communicated back in the day, I'll say back in the day, there were a lot of symbols and pictures, pictographs that we've uncovered. And that's the way the brain thinks. What we do is we, we think in pictures and we encode that into language. We encode that into the words that we speak. Now, what's interesting about that is that everyone's representation or model of the world or model of a particular word or the meaning of a word is different based on their history, based on their memories and past experiences, based on their own filters. One could say when you say the word love or when you say the phrase good job or when you say come here and that has a, a specific cadence, the representation, the image that you might be thinking of, of what's about to happen when you speak words like love or when you speak phrases like come here, when you you know, say things like great job or this needs work, the representation in your head will be different from how the image that shows up in the person who receives the message. And why that's important to understand is because you know sometimes when we're speaking to people and we get reactions or responses that we are not intending, 
and we don't understand why, it's because people represent language differently based on their own filters. So we represent language primarily in in three different ways. Primarily, we're visual people, or we could be primary auditory people. We could be primary um, kinesthetic people. And kinesthetic is just another word for like feeling and sensation and walking through things. And when we understand what that primary modality that we are drawn towards, um, you will notice that you use words that are aligned with that. So if you're primarily visual and you learn primarily in a visual manner and you when you are speaking to people and people are speaking to you about a project or something that you're trying to sell you, that you need to see it before you can process it. Like visual is the primary way that you process. This is the primary way that you represent your language. But then there's someone else who their learning language is auditory or their learning language is is kinesthetic and they have to walk through things. They have to walk through things in order to learn, in order to process. They may need a little bit longer. If you're not on the same page with how you're primarily, you know, your, your primary modality of learning or your primary modality of processing, then in effect, that's where misunderstanding can occur. And also you could be trying to force someone to understand or to do things in a way that you do them when maybe that's not the primary way that they process. So why is that important? I mean, that that can be that can be important on various levels. We could talk from an organizational level, but then in the home, we could talk about our kids and how um, that impacts them. So I'll start with the individual, and then I'll I'll chunk it up to the organization. From a level, when you think about, especially as a parent, I'm going to speak. For, you know, I always speak about my son, and I speak about us as parents. From a a parent perspective, when you have like a child who is a primary visual, that's how they learn. Then in the school, in the inside of the classroom, inside of the school system, inside of the classroom, that actually may be useful for them because how are the how are things taught primarily in the classroom? Visual and auditory. So when you have kids who are visual and auditory, then yes. That may benefit the kids, but if you have someone who is a primary kinesthetic learner, meaning they like they need to walk through, they need to do, they need to be active, they need to be, that's the way they process, that's the way they learn. That 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 sit down all day, absorb uh, for someone talking to you and writing things on the board may not be enough. So that's at the individual level, and it's very useful to be watching your kid to be. Um, like listening to, you know, their feedback from the classroom and and really helping them to understand how they best learn and having these conversations with the educators and with their teachers and their educators in their room to be able to empower them on that level. So now you can map that on to self as well. You can apply to self. How do you primarily learn? How do you primarily process information? You can also map that on to people in your organization. When you have someone in the organization that may be struggling, you know, with directions or with projects, how do they primarily process the directions that you're giving them? Do they, do they primarily, are they visual people? Do they need to see it and read it? If you just tell them something, but you don't show them anything, guess what? they may struggle to retain that information because that's not the way their primary way of processing. Why is this important is because when we talk about team functionality 
and we talk about really being on the same page in communication, um, knowing yourself and being able to communicate that to the people around you or also being able to even listen for. And that's one of the things we teach in our trainings is how do you listen? How do you know? I mean, that's, it seems very complicated, right? It seems complicated to be like, all right, well, some people are visual, some people are auditory, some people are kinesthetic. How do I listen to a person and know what they are so that I can best empower them in, in the team environment? And that's just one way. That's one level of, of understanding. And a lot of times it is the listening. It is the listening. And also when you learn and you empower people to learn and you, sometimes you can just ask many people surprisingly know when they learn best or how they learn best. And if they don't know, you can ask, well, can you think of a time when you learn something and you learn something well? And most people can think of a specific time when they've learned something and they've learned something well. And the question to ask is, well, what did you do so that you knew that you learned it well? And they'll tell you. And then you know, okay, this is primarily how a person processes and how they learn. And when you speak to them, you can begin to translate in a way and speak to them in a way that they can hear you. This is very important in the team dynamic. Because when you're speaking in a team, especially when you're speaking in a team dynamic, when you're speaking in meetings, when you're speaking in boardrooms, when you're speaking with executives, knowing that if you hit in your speaking, the visual and the auditory and the kinesthetic processing modalities, everyone in the room is going to process that what you're saying. And then, of course, you can always ask someone to repeat back to you. What do you think that are you hearing that I'm saying? Let me get some feedback. And that's how you know your language is landing. But this all comes from understanding that we represent language differently, not only from the fact that each word that we speak shows up in our mind as an image differently from the words that other people speak and are different from the images that show up in the, in another person's mind with that same word, like understanding that. So that when there's a misunderstanding, you can simply ask, what did you hear me say? How did that land for you? Very simple questions to stay on the same page. And what it does is it opens the conversation. And when you open the conversation, then you're more likely to get resolution with misunderstanding and avoid total conflict. But even in conflict, most times it's a misrepresentation of language. And of course, there are you know definite exceptions to that rule. But when we understand that everyone represents language differently in their mind, everyone has different processing and learning styles, and it looks different on everyone. And we start to be sensitive to that. And also, again, our traumas inform all of these things. They inform, you know, some of the processing or they inform some of the images that show up in our brain when certain words or phrases or tones of voices are used. So when we begin to understand that, then when we see responses and reactions, we actually can look at them with a different lens we can look at them with a different lens. And that is sort of the beginnings of the foundations of beginning to be trauma aware and trauma sensitive, being trauma informed. You know, that's a continued education. Being trauma responsive is a continued practice. And then, you know, once we are, once we are trauma informed and trauma responsive, these are the 
ways that we can begin to like implement actions and policies that create psychological safety and really to be able to assess where the safety is in your organization and where it is not. So um, that's really, you know, the, the message that I wanted to bring today is to, I invite you to really look and listen, but listen to language this week and listen to how different people are speaking. What are the, the primary representations of words? They're using a lot of words that represent visual. Are they using a lot of words that represent sound? Are they using a lot of words that represent, you know, walking through or, or kinesthetic? And I invite you to ask someone in, at work today, how do you best learn? And ask your, your child, if you have a child or if you are a, pa- a parent or a caretaker, ask your young person, how do you think you best learn? Do you learn more by watching or seeing? Do you learn more by listening or do you learn more by walking through? And I'd love for you to to share those responses with me. So as you know, this is the world that I I live in. This is the world that I teach. I teach it in organizations and I do certifications. And so if you want to know more, if you're in an organization and you want to engage more in conversation around how do we create psychological safety? How do we assess that? How do we learn trauma-informed communication in our organization so that we can improve our engagement, retain our talent, recruit diverse talent, then you can reach out to me, websites below. You can reach out directly to me, uh, message me on whatever platform you are on. As you know, I do also have a trauma-informed communication course and it's right on the website, mindremappingacademy.com. You can learn a little bit more, download the overview of that as well. And if you're interested in the certification, again, you can reach out to me directly by email, drmaisha at drmaisha.com, or you can go right to mindremappingacademy.com and fill out an application. So I look forward to continue to expand these topics with you. You'll have a great rest of the day and a great rest of the week. Stay empowered. Hey, thanks for listening. Remember, I want you to apply these principles in your life every day. But also, I want you to share this podcast with others in your life who you think it could help, a friend, a colleague, or family member. And remember, go hit the subscribe button so you will know when our next episode is released. Finally, I'd really appreciate if you did me a favor and left a review. It really lets others know that this podcast can make a difference in their life as well. See you on the next episode.